So Brett Kelly is two names smashed together and the Kelly side of it is Irish but also on my mother's side her surname is Finn that's also Irish. Yes I am a Donovan. Donovan it certainly sounds Irish. I mean it is Irish. I don't actually know. I should know this. This is terrible. Brendan Murphy you have to be Irish. I certainly am Irish. I'm a first generation New Zealander though. My rest of my family from Ireland. With a name like McFadden of course I'm Irish. My father's side came from Ireland, uh, from Dublin, I believe. With a name like Bridget and a name like Burke, you have to be Irish. Yes, indeed I am. I mean, my ancestors are definitely Irish, yeah. Do you know much about your Irish ancestry? Um, look, it's a fine line between legend, myth and what is actually real. That actually sounds quite Irish. Yeah, there's talk of a lot of pipes and whistles and music and drinking and all that sort of carry on. It's coursing through my veins for sure. We've got this great reputation, I suppose, of the Irish. It's this kind of, you know, the idea that we're happy-go-lucky people who don't try to cause any, any problems and like to get along with everybody. It's estimated one in six New Zealanders have Irish heritage. But because the statistics aren't precise, that number's likely to be higher. Certainly, it didn't take me long to find colleagues whose ancestry harked back to the Emerald Isle. I'm Alexia Russell, yes, also Irish, and today on The Detail, we're looking at a world-first exercise aimed at mapping this country's Irish connections. We'll talk about why two island nations on the opposite side of the world have so much in common and why we're seeing a new wave of Irish migration. You know, another similarity that we have in New Zealand and Ireland is that neither country have snakes. But the story of St. Patrick was supposed to be that one of the fables was that he, when he was in Ireland and the snakes were out and they were bothering him when he was sitting on the grass one day and he got a sword and stabbed it into the ground to banish the snakes. And it went so far down that it hit the tip of New Zealand. So oh, really? <laughs> There you go. So there is a fable out there that St. Patrick actually banished the snakes from New Zealand too. This is Sonia Turnin, Professor of Irish Studies at Otago University, on the line from Ireland where she's back visiting relatives. She's produced a report called Irish in Aotearoa, which is the first comprehensive study of the Irish community here. Commissioned by the newly established Irish Embassy, it's the first Irish citizen mapping exercise to cover an entire country. When you mention Irish Irish surnames, it's like there's just so many of them in New Zealand. It's astounding. You know, it's thought at this stage that there is at least a half a million people there who claim Irish heritage in New Zealand. So it's it's a colossal number. And I've seen estimates of eight hundred thousand as well. Do we really know the numbers, or was that what this project was about? Yeah, so that's the that is actually the issue that I mean we can look back when we think of the history of the Irish in New Zealand and, and we know exactly how many people came into the country. Well, not exactly, but near enough to it because it was a much smaller population that we're dealing with when the first kind of European settlers went. And, you know, if we look at things like the 1886 census, for example, we know that 17% at that stage were Irish of the European settlers that came in. I mean, that's a colossal amount. So when we just work it back from that, we can certainly see that 
it, it stands to reason, of course, that they settled, they stayed, they married. And what's unusual actually about the Irish population that emigrated to New Zealand, in many other countries, say, for example, in America or in England, they tended, the Irish tended to stay together in their own communities or near ghettos, you know, and marry other Irish people. That doesn't happen in New Zealand. So therefore, you've got really a huge number of, of people then are, that are born into, you know, they have one parent that's, that's Irish. So hence, we have this huge kind of population. And what we know about from the most recent census in New Zealand, which would be have taken in 2018, there is just under 18,000 people. They claim their ethnicity as Irish. Now, that actually, we can't guarantee that that's all. I think that personally, I think that's a huge underestimate because in order to claim Irish ethnicity, people were actually asked to make a specific selection on the census. So it meant that they'd have to say other and then they'd have to actually write in Irish, where I think a lot may have just ticked the white European, for example. So therefore, we, we don't kind of get the, you know, the full picture. So that's a huge reason behind this report, behind this research, was to try to get something a little bit more solid, you know. Why do we need to know? Well, I think it's really from the point of view that there's a recognition in both countries that it, they're very similar. When we think of even the fact that they're both island nations, they have a very similar population. Uh, now, New Zealand is made up of uh, two main islands, where Ireland is just made up of the, the one island. Island. In Ireland, you have uh, leprechauns walking about, where we have hobbits. The largest city in Ireland is Dublin, and they have a giant needle. Um, here in New Zealand, our largest city is Auckland, and we have a giant syringe. Even geographically, I mean, even, you know, if you look out, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm in Dublin at the moment, I'm looking out my window and I'm on the coastline and I could be sitting in an office or in, in a house in New Zealand. Very similar even looking environment, quite similar even, even climate wise, which is why we end up with two countries that are very green and lush. Um, you know, so there's, there's a huge amount of comparisons between the countries. And I think from the beginning, Really, when we look back at the history of we're celebrating our only 100 years of the foundation of the Irish Free State this year. So it's our centenary year. And since the beginning of our independence, New Zealand has been very supportive of Ireland as an independent country. And we've had very close relations, you know. Um, so even like working together on things like the United Nations principles, both of us work very closely on that together. We're part of things like the six country new agenda coalition, which is committed to nuclear disarmament. And we share the same goals for climate change. So there's all of these kind of issues, I suppose, in the background. And I think in many ways, what probably brought this a little bit forward as well is the reciprocal trade agreements that we have. Um, and then at the same time in 2018, the Irish Embassy, for the very first time, we have a resident Irish ambassador in New Zealand and a resident New Zealand ambassador 
based in Dublin. So all of these things were happening. Um, and, and that's really kind of, it, it's a positive story. It's one of these connections of, there's, there's actually only positive connections between Ireland and New Zealand. And therefore, I think that's something that in this day and age, there's a realisation that you need kind of partners for trade and and even when it comes to things like United Nations, all of these issues. So there's a strengthening of that, if anything. So this Irish and Aotearoa mapping the Irish community, it's more than just a, hey, let's find out how many of us are Irish. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, it, it was initiated by the Irish Embassy team in, in New Zealand, and it's funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs in Ireland. And then I was the lucky one who got to, to lead the investigation because uh, we're based in the Centre for Irish and Scottish Studies. So it was the obvious place, really, I suppose, to lead the, the investigation because um, the University of Otago has a lot of connections with, with the Irish community through that chair of Irish studies as well. So the Irish Embassy in New Zealand, they've got a huge amount of work done in a very quick space of time actually I think and they were very keen to get a report like this done from the onset once they arrived just to find out a little bit more about and it was first of all to find out how many people claim Irish heritage and that Irish heritage is important to them and also the number of Irish people that are actually you know first generation Irish people that are living in New Zealand but also things like community groups. That was another focus of the report as well. So it's really to see if there's a way of building up, you know, on the kind of community and links that are actually based in New Zealand and to build on trade as well. When Christchurch was looking for thousands of skilled tradespeople to help with the post-earthquake rebuild, it turned to Ireland for chippies, plumbers and stonemasons, largely because workers there have similar skills, speak English, and because Ireland had a high unemployment rate at the time. But Sonia says there had been a big influx beforehand and since then of skilled professionals. And certainly what we know before, you know, obviously before the, the borders closed, the last kind of intake, I know I was talking about the figures in 2018, but the next year, what we know in New Zealand as well is that there was a huge increase in the number of Irish people that moved over the next year in 2019. And actually, I, I was one of those who moved in that year as well. Hi, my name is Liam Coleman. I'm originally from Tipperary in Ireland, and these days I live in Hawke's Bay, Napier. My job is I'm a Principal Structures Engineer for the NZTA, based here in Napier, but I have a national role that basically looks after all the structures on the State Highway Network. Certainly with the Canterbury rebuild, um, even since 2011, the population had actually doubled, the Irish population in and the Canterbury area had doubled from 2006 to the 2011. So that has actually been building up all the way through. And yeah, there's, there's still huge numbers that that have moved then. But it's also um, Irish people are attracted over by the, um, the visa and the opportunities that are there as well. So that we have, you know, large numbers of people that would fall into the, you know, in the visa category, certainly for resident visas as well. There's very um, high levels of education required, all of these things. And Irish people something that is known through research as well is there's very high levels of educational achievements in Ireland. So they're the type, they fit into that category of what New Zealand is looking for for, um, for emigrants moving in. 
So that ties in quite nicely to the emigration patterns. What we tend to see is that there are like different ways that, that maybe there are certain um, countries that are more appealing at a particular time. And I certainly think that New Zealand, certainly over the last 10 years, has been very focused on getting high levels of, of professionals and, and people qualified in different areas into the country. And there's been a move to do that. My name is Maura Lenehan. I'm originally from Ireland and currently working for Watercare Services in Auckland, New Zealand. So this was my perfect job, my ideal job um, that I would have had difficulty getting in my home country that a huge number of other countries just can't offer the same advantages that New Zealand can. You know, I mean, years ago, certainly, and you know, when, when it would be the 50s or 60s, it would have been to England that a lot of Irish people went to. There would have been less kind of skilled people then at that stage, um, but there would have been skilled la or labourers, so there would have been huge numbers going, Irish people as labourers going to, to England. And later we have patterns of, you know, skilled professionals going over to America. But again, there's not as many opportunities in countries like that as I think Irish people realise there is in New Zealand. There's opportunities and there's also a lifestyle that appeals to Irish people because it's very similar. I mean, I lived in, in England for nine years before I moved to New Zealand and I found it a culture shock moving to England because English cities are very different and they're much bigger, more pop densely populated than even the big, and I'm from Dublin, so even a big city in, in Ireland. Whereas there was no culture shock for me at all, quite literally moving to New Zealand. It's, it's very similar and it's very similar lifestyle. And that's attractive, I think, to a lot of Irish people as well. Mm. And things have, I mean, things really have changed. I mean, the, the Irish who helped to build, you know, that we see the threads and the ancestry of now, you would have been looking at what, many mm -hmm. miners, soldiers, people like that. And you're saying now that absolutely. it's shifted, done a big shift to professionals. Yes, absolutely. You're totally right, because that's what it would have been. I mean, the, the biggest influx, um, you know, back in the late 1800s would have been, first of all, as soldiers going to Auckland. And then you have with the gold mining and all along the West Coast on the, on the South Island, that's where the Irish flocked to as well. So you have, and we can even see that on the census forms, that's where the biggest density then of Irish people are going to. But what we see now is that there is a much bigger spread, although you're right, I mean, the, certainly around Christchurch and, you know, um, the Canterbury region, that obviously has a higher density that, that moved in, in those more recent years. But um, it's uh, they're much more spread, I think. The Irish people are going, you, like you literally find them right across New Zealand. One part of the report that we did, which is amazing, and listeners will be, can, can access this online if they just get on to, if you just even Google Friends of Ireland, New Zealand, and we did um, an interactive map of New Zealand, which is really interesting because you can get into all of the different areas. You can literally just look at this map online, hold your cursor over different cities, different towns, and find out the populations, the full population of that town or of that place and how many Irish people are there, which you could just see how the Irish are kind of spread over. Obviously, we've got like more in the higher densely populated areas like Auckland. Um, what we'll know is that there's, you know, you can find out, um, for example, that there's more women, Irish women 
than men in Auckland, which is um, quite unusual, actually, because it's it's their highest ranked in the range of professionals in Auckland. Whereas, of course, if we look at Canterbury, it's more Irish men than women. And then, of course, we can link that into the occupation because um, I suppose a lot of the, the rebuild would have been seen as more masculine-dominated professions, if you like. Every time you go out anywhere, you just hear accents from all walks of Ireland. There are hundreds of them here, and Immigration New Zealand says visa applications from Irish nationals wanting to live and work in Christchurch have doubled since the earthquakes. How have Irish attitudes and Irish people spread their influence into our culture? Yeah, that's an interesting one when we think about it. Well, I mean, we can see it in even the New Zealand national anthem that was written by an Irishman, and Bracken was an Irishman. So we've got like we've got it that embedded actually into New Zealand culture mm. that it's there. Um, we've also got a huge influence that I think it can still be seen in the schools in the education system. And because there were so many, certainly huge numbers of, of orders of nuns, especially. Don't worry yourselves too much about the whole civil war, sectarian conflict carry on. There's really only one thing you need to know. We're the goodies. That went over to start um, schools in, in various parts of New Zealand. And we can still see the influence across the education system as well. Certainly from a cultural point of view, you know, it, I don't know whether it's kind of, you know, taken into kind of things that would be stronger traditionally here, like music and dance. That would still be, there would still be an element of Irish music and dance, but I don't know whether it's influenced kind of hugely into the New Zealand culture itself. But yeah, when you say music, we have names like Tim and Neil Finn, you know, we have, you know, in sport, we've got Sean Fitzpatrick, Bowden Barrett. Prime Ministers, Jim Bolger, right through to Helen Clark and, and, and Jacinda Ardern. Now, when Jacinda Ardern was elected, Patsy Reddy was the Governor-General, and was it, was it a coincidence that the first world leader that met her was the Irish world leader? Yeah, President Michael T. Higgins, yeah. I mean, but that's actually when it was President Higgins then who announced at that stage that um, they would be opening an Irish embassy in New Zealand. I've been thinking about the connection between Ireland uh, and New Zealand, and, and it is a very, very interesting one. May I just say, however, this most recent engagement between Ireland uh, and New Zealand is one of immense human importance. And I think, you know, even if it hadn't been kind of planned or on the cards, I think it was very obvious from President Higgins' tour. And he certainly saw as much of New Zealand as he could. I just want to pick up on the language. Are there parallels between Irish and Māori, the revival of both Indigenous languages? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a lot of uh, striving to do, I mean, it, you know, in the same way to revive the language. And of course, the languages were lost in very similar ways, you know, that there was a, an erasure of language and culture. And, you know, uh, Maori have been, I think, probably are ahead of us on that that, um, you know, there's much more use of 
the, you know, Tereo when you're in New Zealand, I think that in many ways you can go for the day, you know, without hearing any Irish language. And that kind of revival, I think, is definitely working better in New Zealand. And I think we probably have a little bit more to learn from New Zealand, actually. And that's where we can get some some help along the way to kind of watch how it's going. Do you think that that culture has really transplanted itself to New Zealand? or that it actually aligns very well with the Māori tikanga in terms of hospitality, um, yeah, all those kind of things, that it was a good place to emigrate to because there was already a cultural alignment. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think so. And, you know, I mean, certainly from the from the very beginning as well, like, you know, when we were talking about originally with the emigration the part, and the first waves, like the very first Irish into New Zealand was um, as part of, of soldiers and, and, of course, part of the empire. And we have to own that as well as we were actually part of the colonising forces because the, the Irish were doing it, of course, for money, um, but it wasn't any great alignment for the British Empire. But for many Irishmen, um, and there's been wonderful, you know, work done on the Irish in the forces in New Zealand. For for, for many Irish soldiers, it didn't sit well with them, and they left. But they stayed in New Zealand, and huge numbers of them intermarried with Maori. And that's actually where we've got these wonderful connections. And of course, once you kind of you're over there and you realise and you think. Well, absolutely. You, you can see how that happened, you know, and you can see why there was these connections and this idea, as you say, of, of hospitality, of community, of family. And there is, you know, the great respect for both within the Irish communities and especially within the Maori community as well. So we have these wonderful connections from very early on. Sonia Tenen is spending some time now talking about this study to groups around the world interested in the research, but she says our immigration story is a very different one to what happened elsewhere. And what I mean by that is that people left, you know, when you go back to the 1800s and, and Irish people emigration, it was through trauma and it was forced emigration. It was famine or violence from, from troubles and wars. Whereas the people, Irish people that emigrated to New Zealand didn't, they, because they generally had already emigrated somewhere else in many cases. They were already in America or in, in Australia, or they were brought over by family. And the emigration pattern and the waves is very different. We don't have people arriving on the shores of New Zealand starving and ill. The Irish people that arrived there were were well off, many of them, or they were experienced travellers already. So it's really interesting connections. And the global Irish community is very interested in it. So that's kind of what I've been doing at the moment, certainly, with it, is telling that story and telling about the connections. And hopefully as well, um, you know, inspiring more people to go to New Zealand as well, because it's, you know, I'd always be a great advocate to say, you know, this is, um, it's a wonderful place to go to and it's a wonderful place to see. That's it for today. I'm Alexia Russell. The Detail is public interest journalism funded through NZ On Air and is a joint newsroom RNZ production. You can download us free to your mobile phone every weekday on any podcast platform. Jeremy Ansell engineered this episode, Sarah Robson produced it, and thanks to Sonia Tiernan. Mate wa.